My name is Ben Hunt, and this is the Everything F1 podcast, driven by the fans for the fans. EF1 podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast. Today, we're previewing the Baku Grand Prix, and we've got a special guest, Ben Hunt from The Sun. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. Today, alongside me with the Everything F1 team, we've got Sponge and Coops. Hi, Sponge and Coops. How are you? Hello. Hello. Thank you. And we've got a special guest this week as well, Ben Hunt from The Sun. Hi, Ben. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks, mate. You? Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for coming. Um, Now, for the fans that might not know who you are, um, who can you give us a kind of three line synopsis of who you are and what you do? Uh, Yeah, I am Formula One correspondent at The Sun. Um, I've been doing the job there for 10 years. Um, Attend all the races and report back uh, for the British media. Brilliant. So you've hopefully got lots of stories to uh, for to entertain our fans and for our fans to listen to, uh, which we're going to have an interview towards the end of the podcast. But first, we're going to talk about the upcoming Grand Prix, a Grand Prix that I'm sure you're heading off to shortly. Uh, and that's the Azerbaijan Grand Prix uh, in the city of Baku. We are Everything F1. You can find us on all social medias. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We've got a Discord server. And that's all at the handle at JoinEF1. Also, don't forget our website, www.everythingf1.com. So first things first, do you like this race, Ben? Is it a race that you enjoy going to? Is it a race that you enjoy watching? Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, I like I like Baku. Um, I was I'll be honest with you. I was a little bit skeptical at first. Um, mm-hmm. I remember the first year that I went, and I remember walking the track, and there was still quite a lot of building work going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember finding quite a big nut um, on the track, which was quite concerning at the time because I remember yeah, wow. thinking, you know that could go anywhere, mm-hmm. um, and I thought it was going to be a bit of a shambles. But in actual fact, it turned out to be a great race. Um, or, you know, they're always quite exciting. There's always talking points. I think um, for a street track, you've got some really good uh, focal points. It looks great on TV. Yeah. Um, it is a bit of a, a facade. Once you get behind um, the stuff you see on TV, the city is very different. Um, but I do like going on less. It's just a long way to go. Um, I'll be honest with you, I'm not going there this week. Um, okay. It's quite difficult to get to. There's no direct flights. You have to go via Turkey, which is on the red list for us UK mm. uh, people, which means um, hotel quarantine, which I'm not massively keen for at this moment in time. So yeah, uh, sure. I'm, I'm not going. I'm missing out. I'm like you. I'll be watching it off the TV. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's one that I actually quite enjoy, to be fair. It's, uh, as you say, for a street track, it's uh, quite entertaining. Coops, what do you, what are your thoughts on Baku? Oh, I love the track. Uh... You know, certain parts of it remind you of the ridiculousness of Monaco, like the narrow section of the, the castle. Like, yeah. you shouldn't have a Formula One car going around that corner. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's great. Very long streets, corners, the race usually throws up some sort of entertainment, whether it be two Red Bulls trying to make one with each other <laughs> or Vettel having a bit of anger issues. You know, usually something. 
Absolutely. Uh, have fun with. Same question to you, to you then, Sponge. What What are your thoughts on Baku? Yeah, it was, I think it was a big surprise to be honest with you when we first went there. I, I looked at the track and I was like, "What, what on earth is going on?" Um, mm-hmm. And then every race, pretty much that we've had there, has been an absolute corker. So, I think, with, as with everything, you know, I think whatever your your preconceptions are, if you have a good race there, they go out the window. Mm. And you know, the best races create the best tracks, don't they, or vice versa? So, absolutely, you know. So, yeah, I think it's been... They haven't had a bad race there yet, I don't think. So, yeah, long may they continue. Good, good. Uh, well, let's ju- uh, just give you the outline of the track then. So, it's the Baku City Circuit. It's uh, 6.003 kilometres long. Uh, and that's race to total race distance of 306 kilometres, 0.049. Uh, we're going to have 51 laps. And the lap record is currently held by Charles Leclerc in 2019. Uh, was he in that dodgy Ferrari that year? Uh, and he did that in 1 minute 43.009. Um, as Sponge did rightfully say, we're, we're, our first GP was in 2016. Uh, so we've been there for uh, five years now. Uh, although, actually, last year... Was, was it there last year? No. No, we, no we, didn't we didn't have one last year, so yeah. So we've we've had a year off. It's first year back, uh, and hopefully it's going to be a, see a good race. Um, so who do you think will perform well this weekend? We'll go to you, Ben, first. Who, who do you think? Who you're looking forward to seeing? Are you seeing? Are, do you think we're going to see the Ferraris have that same kind of resurgence this week as well? Um, let, let's just take Lewis and Max out of the equation. Um, I think that first off, I'd like to mention Bottas. I think that he was the the winner last time we were were there. I think that's right. Mm. Um, I think he needs this. He needs this result. There's certain tracks that that suit him. Um, I think we, you know, Sochi is another one which we always associate with him. Uh-huh. Um, I'm beginning to associate Baku with him as well. He desperately needs to get a win here. I think not just for his future in at, at Mercedes. I think his future in F1. I think it could be a very difficult situation if he ends the year as. Lewis is understudy and he doesn't mm-hmm. have any wins under his belt. I think it makes it quite hard for any team further down the grid to look at him. Um, forget about all the good work he did at Williams and the good work he's done at Mercedes. You know, you're only as good as your last results. And mm-hmm. if you're not getting those results in that car, then I think, you know, that says, says a lot. I think he, as I say, he, I don't want to labour the point, but he, he, he needs to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think other than him, I think, yes, the resurgence of, of Ferrari is great. I think, um, Charles Leclerc deserves it after the Monaco um, situation. I mean, it's heartbreaking him, uh, heartbreaking for him in Monaco. Um, uh-huh. You do feel for him, but of course, you mentioned that record. I think he'll go well there. I think that car looks strong, great for Carlos Sainz as well, and and Lando Norris. Let's see how well he goes because you know so far he's um, he's smashing it out of the park compared to his teammate who's who's really struggling. Yeah, uh, let's have your opinion on Danny Rick. Then, do you think? Uh... He's having a lot of coaching in the car. Um, yeah. Obviously, you, if you listen to the um, team radio, you can hear a lot of kind of you need to do this, adjust yeah. this, you know, take take it a bit further down the corner there before you break and whatever. Well, you know, what 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 do you think uh, is his problem in the car? I think I mean he's also doing a lot of sim work as well, so he is getting up to speed. He's been in you know a lot of different cars since that that Red Bull. Um, mm-hmm. It's difficult at this moment in time. I think that by now he should have got to grips um, with it, with all the work that he's been putting in. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you, to take nothing away from Lando's achievement, because what he's done is, is mega. But I think, you know, McLaren must be looking at themselves and thinking, you know, we're paying this guy. You know, he's got 
race wins under his belt, he, he kind of needs to start delivering too, you know, mm-hmm. not in the same um, league as what Bottas does, but he obviously has to. Um, it starts to make you think, he struggled last year um, at Renault, last two years. Okay, he, things did improve. But you do wonder just how good was that Red Bull when he was winning races? And you mm. begin to think now, was it that car or was it him? Because there's no doubt he's a great driver. He's brilliant at overtaking, lovely bloke. Yeah. But the moment that that doubt starts creeping in and people start asking that questions, and it causes more pressure on his on, on, on his you know responsibility and his reputation. Yeah. I have no doubt that he's going to turn it around. But of course, like everything, he just needs to start getting those results and start scoring points, good points regularly. Yeah, McLaren need him to, don't they? You know, at the end of the day, that, that Ferrari is looking a bit better. I'm not going to say it's all the way better, yeah. um, but certainly uh, the, uh, the Monaco Grand Prix showed that they they could be competitive uh, given the right kind of um, scenario. Uh, so, yeah, he, he needs to start earning some points. Uh, Sponge, should we go to you? Um, what, what are your thoughts? Who are you looking forward to seeing this weekend? I think Lando, is, I think he's going to be a bit of a surprise package this weekend. I think the McLaren's going to go well round there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the usual Hamilton, um, Verstappen, the the saga will continue. <laughs> um, I think it's. I, I, th- I just think it's all shaping up to be the usual, you know, pre-rule change classic. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think the grid could be quite mixed up. To be honest with you, I. I I do think this race seems to throw up a a, a lot of um, how do you put it? It's, it? Qualifying doesn't always seem to reflect race pace round here. Hmm. So you know, I do I do think that it's going to be like a bit of a mixed up grid again. I don't think you get the Noah's Ark that you that you very often get. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I'm I'm really hoping Lando does well, um, and I, I want Checo to do well as well. I I, I really want him to do well. Um, Bottas, I agree with Ben. He definitely needs a win. Um, I think the problem that he's got now is that he's, you know, it, it's not just a case of if he doesn't win, then Lewis wins. I think Verstappen's in there mm. firmly enough now to to kind of take away them wins that he would have had before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's that's making things a lot di- more difficult to him. Um, so yeah, uh, I think I think there's quite a few a few drivers that I want to see how they do. Um, I think most of all, Lando. I, I, I hope he. I'm hoping for a podium for him again. Hoping. Mm-hmm. Ah, good. Yeah. Well, as not so secret McLaren fans, as we say every single week, it should may <laughs> may as well be our second catchphrase. Um, I think by now people <laughs> might know. People might have a little bit of an inkling that we're all pretty big McLaren fans. Yeah. <laughs> and if they don't, why don't you, people? <laughs> You're not listening properly. Coops, uh, yeah. <laughs> same question to you then. Go, go for it. Uh, you, who are you looking forward to seeing race this weekend in Baku? Well, I was going to say Daniel Ricciardo, but I don't. I think he's still not going to get the handle of that McLaren. Uh, uh, something I found out after Monaco was he spoke to Carlos Sainz and asked about Carlos, says how you get on with the McLaren and. Can I say something to the strange, isn't it? Yeah. So even Carlos Sainz knew that the car's weird in design. It's, it's just the strange kind of beast of him. Anyway, back to back. Uh, but I think I think Stroll's going to be good around here because mm. he's got onto the podium. These are the kind of tracks that he likes. It's the kind of turn, you know, the right angles, turns, point and squirt. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And Perez has been on the podium as well. He's round here as well, and he's now in a red bull. Uh, and I was just having a look at the previous winners, and I think the first race, it says the first race was 2017, but I thought it was 2016. Uh, when I was looking for it. Um, Daniel Ricardo's running out here with Bottas and Hamilton. I think the first, the first race was the European Grand Prix. Is that right? I think that's right. In oh, yeah, that's what it might have been then, because I, I just checked Baku, so maybe that's what it was. Yeah, I Which think it was the European Grand Prix. Um, yeah, uh, Azerbaijan Grand Prix 2017, so the first one was European. Uh, and I haven't got that in front of me, so I don't even know who won that one. Uh, <laughs> I know Daniel Ricciardo won the second one, the 2017 one, but yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. As Ben just said, it's going to be quite mixed up. It'll be interesting to see how uh, Sonoda does around this track. Uh, wonder if Mazepin can stop himself from spinning, although he didn't spin during Monaco. Oh, well, let's be honest. We've been we've been saying this every single week now. Oh, Mazza spin, Mazza spin. But he's actually finished the last few races. We, I think, we can firmly put that behind us. Although he's been about five laps down each time. He has still finished the races. Uh, he might just about finish Monaco when they start Azerbaijan, to be fair to you. <laughs> just drive straight there. <laughs> In all fairness, I'm, I'm really like panicking. How is he going to get through that tiny little gap where the castle is? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, I mean, more talented drivers have made mistakes there. So, you know, Charles Leclerc is a lap break of making a mistake there. Yeah, but that's because they were going quick. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, but it'll be interesting. Uh, one of the, the team I'll be looking forward to looking at is uh, Aston Martin. They really kind of turned the, turned the screw and turned the corner at Monaco, and it wasn't just luck of the draw. They seemed to have a decent bit of pace on them. Mm. Uh, and uh, it was delightful to listen to a, a happy battle at the end of the race. Yeah. We've missed that for nearly two years, so. Okay, so the schedule is as follows. On Friday, we've got the free practice uh, one at 9.30am till 10.30am. Free practice two on Friday also at 1pm till 2pm. Free practice three Saturday at 10am till 11am. Qualifying on Saturday at 1pm till 2pm. And then the race, uh, the, the grand finale, the nice show that we like to see every single weekend is on Sunday at 1pm. Set your calendars. This is UK time, so if you are elsewhere in the world, make sure you adjust accordingly. So, let's talk Let's talk about some characters that we, that we mentioned, uh, that Coop's just mentioned then. Uh, Mazepin, uh, Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously he's annoyed a few people obviously coming into the Formula 1 season um, and then his his performance is quite lacklustre actually, Uh, obviously he had a few spins early on um, but he has been completing the races albeit two or three laps down so what's your opinion on him? You know what, it's it's difficult isn't it he he came into F1 and I I can't remember a driver ever coming into F1 um, with with such a um, a barrage of abuse, you know, he was so mm. unpopular for, for obviously the things he did. Um, and I've spoken to him, I've given him the opportunity to to talk about it in terms of dealing with the abuse. Um, mm. In the last race, I think it was, or was it the one before, I, I asked a question in the press conference, you know, um, you know, could you tell us about the, the abuse that you've got on social media and how have you coped? Because ultimately, Yes, what he did was wrong. He admitted he was wrong and lots of people mm-hmm. don't like him. But he does get absolutely hammered all over the show 
and I understand people have an opinion, but I also yeah. know what that's like to get abuse as well. So I was curious as to a young guy who's sort of, you know, making his way in Formula One, just how he deals with it. But um, his response was, was was different. He had an opportunity to set the record straight and say, you know, yes, you know, people have hammered me and, you know, a little bit of humility perhaps would have gone, you know, quite far in that. But he just turned around and just said, don't read it. You have to be a social media user to to um to see that Chris. I don't I don't don't I don't read it. And I'm like, well, you are a social media user because you do post and you know mm. it's quite evident that you do and you 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 must get some sort of stuff sent your way. Um you know I was just a bit struck. I was just gonna say do you do you think he's been trained to say that? I think it was just a defense. Um right. I think rather than trying to build a relationship and set the record clear and I don't want people to feel sorry for him but I just wanted to know just what sort of level he's operating at and and whether it is having an impact on his life and he could have you know told us what was going on but he but it was very his guard was up very defensive mm. and I just thought you know in terms of trying to warm to people I think that's quite difficult it is quite hard over zoom let's give him you know give him that but mm. it just I felt like he could have done perhaps a bit more in that instance it was kind of an open goal for him I got the impression that as far as he was concerned, that moment was done. He's moving on and just didn't really care about it. He was just like, you know, I don't care. And I just thought, well, that's quite quite a strange stance. It just wouldn't be what my approach. Um, mm. You know, I know the guys at Haas, they are working with him. Um, I think it is difficult. It is a, a, a very slow car um, and that's not, not helping him. But um, yeah, people still jumping on him, aren't they? And laughing on him. I, I'm thinking back to the sort of Maldonado um, do you remember the website has has, has passed or crashed yet? And yeah. there's obviously a, a similar thing, isn't there? With um, you know, has has he spun yet? And uh, mm. I think it's going to be really hard for him to shake that tag. You know, even if he starts unbelievably so, like you know, performing winning points, you know, dare say, you know, let's not talk about podiums, but just <laughs> you know, get, get, getting double figures of points, I think people will still have that association with him. And I think you know, it's like his cards marked. It's very difficult for him to shake that now. Um, going forward, so I hope he does it. I hope he, you know, can prove that he's he deserves to be there. But at the moment, yeah. it's not looking like he should be there. If you know what I mean. No, absolutely, you're right. Yeah, at every opportunity, he's been kind of. We were talking about Danny Ricardo uh, earlier, um, getting coached over the uh, over the radio. He's very, very much the opposite of, yeah. of Danny Rick at the moment. And he's kind of just going, "We'll talk about it when we get back. We'll do this." Yeah. He, at any opportunity, at any stage, he's not he's not kind of endearing himself to the crowd at all. He's 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 very much a standoffish in yeah, every you're aspect. Right. You're right, and, and I totally forgot about that radio exchange. But that is obviously a similar approach to what he has with the, with the media as well. Which mm. you know, and I'm not being funny, but like we're the guys that he sort of has to get on well with, you would have thought. Um, but obviously he's, he's not that bothered. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I've spoken and we've spoken about him quite, quite regularly on the show. Um, so sponge, we know sponges and, and Coop's opinion of him. Um, let's talk about somebody else then. Let's move on. Um, so, ah, Perez, Perez, Perez has not had the, the greatest start to the yeah. year. He's, he's had some good races. Um, and he scored some, some, some okay points. Yeah. Um, it, it's looking like he's finally getting hold a hold of the car, yeah. uh, and you know, hopefully, he's going to start being that consistent driver that he has been known to be. Yeah. Um, have you got any kind of inside information about about Perez yeah. at all? Yeah, with, with with Sergio, it's basically confidence in the car that he needs. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's obviously 
he didn't move until very late. Um, the Red Bull setup is obviously very different to, to anything that he's been driving before. Mm-hmm. And I think his race pace and, and racecraft has been really good, you know, on Sundays. He's just been hamstrung by the Saturday performances and sort of starting so far down the grid. But when you've looked at his recent performance on Sundays, as you mentioned, he's mm-hmm. actually gone forward and, and scored some good points. And, you know, they needed his points at the weekend to move above Mercedes in the... Um, constructors championship so you know as far as they're concerned they got him in for a reason that was to be you know to score points take points off off Merck so they could get up there and you've got to say he's doing that because you know you're seeing he's making progress so yeah I think it's good I think it's good for Red Bull I think it's good for F1 and obviously it's good for Perez I think it's a good fit um Christian Horner knows him well from um you know before F1 you know I think he raced for his team um at some stage and uh I just think it's a good fit. I think that if anyone, you know, we always talk about Max um, being like a, 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 you know, he he beats his teammate, doesn't he? Always whacks them into an absolute, you know, mess and puts them in a hole. And I think if anyone can stand up to him, I think it's Sergio. Um, He's got the experience and he's also got that, you know, attitude of knowing that he was right at the end out of options last year. He's got nothing to lose this year. And it was was a good move for him. And I'm glad he's there. And I'm glad he started to turn the corner. It's good to see. Absolutely. Uh, you got anything to add to that, Coops? Uh, well, Perez, I think the biggest thing for Perez in Red Bull is I don't think he's particularly scared about Helmut Marko. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, he's coming in, he's not part of the Red Bull programme. Yeah. If Marco doesn't like the young driver, you're out. Mm. Perez doesn't care. Okay. He, he, you know, with the amount of sponsorship that Perez brings in, another team will bring him in. Mm. Yeah. There will be another team on the grid that will make way for him when he brings in that amount of sponsorship. And he's a good driver to book. So that is a pressure that's not there. You know, and he's doing exactly as uh, you know Ben said, he's doing exactly what he's going to do. He's got maybe one on, on goals at Imola, where he got on pole and then didn't score any points. Yeah. Uh, Monza, I can't remember the name which one that was, but uh, other than that, he's kind of slowly chipping away got to, and you know the strategy for Red Bull at Monaco was amazing to get him from to 90 qualifying yeah. Yeah. and then got him into fourth mm-hmm. yeah. and he didn't do any on there was no on track passing that was strategy uh, which I think really did piss off Hamilton but, <laughs> uh, but yeah you know Perez is doing exactly what he's, de- he's designed to do what he's there to do he isn't, he isn't going to beat the staff on a regular basis but you know, Red Bull are starting to actually see the delights of having a second car that's not tense. Hopefully he's going to be able to just help out with the strategy and uh, and kind of defend for Max, really, and uh, and kind of uh, bring 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 in those constructors' points for Red Bull. Yeah. If they win the constructors, he should be given the original constructors' trophy. <laughs> because they wouldn't do it with just Verstappen on their own. Even though Bottas is having a horrible year, he will always pick up points. He's always going to be there or thereabout. <laughs> Biggest problem with Bottas is consistently the bright. Mm. Uh, and if Perez isn't there to try and be the bright because that you know he's probably been told this is what the job is. Yeah. Then you know they're not going to win the constructors. So yeah, he's not going to get it all. So, but you know he should. Sponge, anything to add? I think I think Perez is about to explode, in my opinion. To be honest. Okay. Because I think I think in my opinion anyway I think you know you've got you've got your front runners and then you've got your midfield. I think the midfield are quite 
similar and always have been quite similar on the budgets that they are mm-hmm. you know in terms of driver going from one place to another like, like the Danny Rick situation he took a while to get used to the uh, the Renault yeah. and he's taken a while to get used to the, the McLaren I think it's a different beast when you're going into somewhere like Red Bull or Mercedes when they're yeah. up front it's confidence and it is literally a case of you don't understand that you can literally throw that car in like 10 metres later than any, anyone else and get on the, the, the throttle five metres before anybody else. And it's just a case of he's driven for midfield teams all of his career up to now. And he's, he's just starting to realise, actually, I, I can I can push this car so much further. But obviously on the other, on the balancing side, he can't put it into the wall. He knows that he can't, he can't overstep that mark. Mm. So I, I think he's, I think he is about to explode, and I do think that he's going to push Verstappen every step of the way. As soon as soon as he as soon as he clicks, you know, when that when that click happens, mm-hmm. he's he's going to be as fast as Verstappen, in my opinion. I probably will be proved wrong. I usually am proved wrong, but <laughs> I, I honestly believe in Perez's his talent. I think he's one of the talented, most talented drivers on the grid, um, and I do think you know. It, even even with getting used to that car at the moment, I think he's proving that. So I think it is very much a watch this space. I think, it, again, he's another one that's going to kind of show Bottas up in a bad light even more. And I think, you know, when you take into consideration the rest of the guys up the front, Bottas is fourth in, in, in my opinion, he's, he's fourth in the, the, the running. So I think, you know, once once Perez does click and he, he does start beating Bottas, regularly both in qualifying and in the race i think i think he'll make the 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 jump quite quickly between the kind of on the coattails to right up there i I do think that's going to happen i hope it does i really hope it does because i don't like verstappen so i want (laughs) want somebody else (laughs) not that you make that obvious as well (laughs) uh, everybody knows that i love him You love to hate him. You even you even couldn't even get that out. That sentence <laughs> You're like, <laughs> it was fighting its way out. Okay. Yeah. There's a bit of vomit in the back of your throat when you said that. <laughs> Let's talk about the four-time previous, uh, four-time world champion of Sebastian Vettel. As you mentioned, he had a smile on his face uh, over the over the weekend uh, in Monaco. It was nice to see that smile. Um, ben, we'll go to you first. Oh. It it's taken a while, but mm. hopefully. This Aston is going to be, you know, at least performing a little bit better than it has been uh, since the start of the season. Yeah, I mean they were, you know, pretty pretty sour grapes, weren't they, from from um, Aston at the start of the year, and then mm-hmm. the uh, I don't know. I thought they had thick skin to come out and keep saying, you know, rule changes and this, that, and the other, and you know, given the rewind twelve months and like, you know, it's the pink Mercedes and it's like mm. you don't like it, you know, tough type scenario. I just thought, okay, fine. If that's how you're gonna play it, then 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 so <laughs> be it. Um yeah, I mean look, I'm a fan of, of Vettel's. I think he was a great driver at Red Bull. I think um whatever happened at, at, at Ferrari was was difficult. Um my fear is that even though we are seeing improvements, I don't think that we're ever gonna go and see that same driver um, that he was at Red Bull, as, as far as I'm concerned, I think that it's going to be tough. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that he enjoys that challenge of, of a midfield team and, and trying to, you know, punch above um, their weight. But I just think it's going to be it's going to be hard. I think, you know, Stroll is no um, mug, um, you know, Lance, um, and I, and and I think that you know he could 
you know, he could struggle to, to get the better of him. I think, it, you know, being the boss's son as well is another factor. Um, mm-hmm. But then again, it was a, a thing that he chose. He could have walked away. He's got enough money in the bank, but he wanted to have a crack at it. And um, so be it. If it comes good, great. You know, well done for him. But I just, my fear is that we'll just not see the same Sebastian Vettel as what we saw in, in 2013. And I always remember that radio message you know just remember this guys you know this is you know these are the things that live with us it might never get like this again or never be as good as this and then mm-hmm. um lo and behold it hasn't you know despite these mega bucks at ferrari the move never worked and you know let's see what happens but um yeah as i say my my, my fear is that you just won't see him being that same driver yeah, well, something we've ha- we have discussed actually quite quite regularly. We we're, we're all hoping for him to to get back to the you know the, the con- uh, consistent kind of front runner really. But uh, it's but, just. I mean, I mean the, th- the thing is, when he was at Red Bull and, and winning all those races, he was he had Mark Webber, so he was challenged by his teammate. But mm. there was no real um, threat from anyone else. Red Bull was so good, you know. Two of those four championships, they absolutely smashed it, didn't they? And I know, yeah. I think the other two went down to the wire, so it was a 50-50. But that last one in 2013 was incredible. The, the final, I want to say nine races or something like that, it was it was certainly the second half of the season when Red Bull carried on developing that car and everyone else mm. stopped because obviously it was going into the um, new era. And I just remember thinking, wow, you know, that's great of Red Bull, fantastic. But does this championship mean as much as something that he won on the last day day of the the season probably not do you know what i mean Mm. yeah i i agree i agree there so what what do you think of the astons this weekend then are are they is the car going to suit baku do you think baku's going to going to make them competitive yeah i think they are making improvements i think the, the benefit of um all that talk and all the sour grapes and everything at the start of the year was you know they had identified what the problem was the high rate car and and they were able to realize i think that you know, we go back to that McLaren car in 2013, the one that was an absolute dog, and mm. no one had any idea on what was going wrong. You know, Paddy Lowe that designed it had already left, and, you know, the only time that that went quick was when the suspension was upside down and it was illegal, and no one could figure out what the problem was. Whereas I think the advantage of Aston were, you know, the, or this situation is that they, they knew what was wrong and they are able to fix it. It's the production race. Hopefully, the changes that they are making you know are coming through now they've rushed them through and you should see some improvement after all because it was a quick car last year wasn't it yeah it was absolutely yeah. uh, and, and they've got the fastest engine uh arguably yeah. uh within that car as well um well let's talk about ferrari we'll go over to coops for ferrari um because you're you've obviously done a lot of research on ferrari haven't you so you know you're you're prob- probably in the know as as anyone um what do you think of their chances this weekend at baku yeah, I think it, I think they'll be they're good. Uh, they're not they're not quite at the level to, to, to tackle Red Bull and Mercedes, but then nobody else really is. Uh, certainly, uh, on the first five races so far, uh, that is bad. Yeah, uh, that they're more or less level with McLaren in terms of their car. And uh, one of the biggest things about the Ferrari was how stable that car was through the slow corners. It was yeah. such a nimble wee car to go through the, the corners. And, you know, if Leclerc hadn't pushed it too far and begged into the wall, you know, we would have had Leclerc winning at his home Grand Prix and actually finishing the race in, his, in Monaco for the first time in his career and any season. Mm. So it's going the right way. 
Uh, and I mean, it has to be decent considering we've actually forgot about the bright green thing. It's we're actually forgetting that's there. Uh, hey, I like that. I'm a fan of it. it. I quite like when it. I first saw it, I thought, what? And then I was kind of like, oh, okay, right, right. <laughs> to be honest, I would rather the car was burgundy all over. I loved the burgundy from the yellow last year. I think it's and also, going back to now, Carlos Sainz is just shown he's actually probably the most criminally underrated drivers of this generation. I mean, he's yeah. got himself into that, you know, Ferrari love him. He's just got in there, he's got on with it. Okay, it does help that they took him up to, uh, to Ferrari and Michelle and they let him test in a couple of years' car. But that's not this year's car. You know, and he's, you know, I think... You know, I think I can see him beating Leclerc as we come on to the, the end of the season, maybe even next year, depending on how everybody settles under the new regulations. But uh, he's definitely a dark horse in the in, the, in this Ferrari, which is definitely. Uh, ben, you you're nodding your head quite a lot there. You, yeah. You, do you agree with the uh, Coops on the whole Carlos Sainz situation? I do actually. Yeah, I do. I I, I agree in the sense that. Um... I think he's a fantastic bloke, a really good team player. I mean, we got to know him a little bit at, at McLaren. I remember doing an event um, ooh, a long, long time ago before COVID. And mm. it was at the start of that relationship with, with Lando. And I remember seeing how close they were. But we we had a really good day out. And then he, you know, most, most when you do these PR events, most drivers will just disappear. But he went round and shook everyone's hand, you know, thanks for coming, all that sort of stuff. And that, for me, goes a long way. And I think if you are like that with the media, then you're going to be like that with your team. And I think he understands how you get a team around you. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that, obviously, he's done that at Ferrari. They see that. They've obviously welcomed him in. And I think, yeah, I think as a driver pairing, I think that's fantastic. I mean, we were always, um, you know, talk so much about Max and, and Checo. I think everyone's, like, excited by that. But I think it was kind of understated his move to Ferrari because it was a bit left field. We weren't really expecting it. Mm. Um, but it's actually working fantastically well. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Leclerc. I think he's a great driver. I think that um, you don't often see too much on the TV of him of him pulling off a blinding overtake or anything like that. But he just delivers. You know, in that car last year, he was really, really delivering the points. And that car was rubbish. Um, mm. So he's obviously doing something right, keeping it clean. Um, so I think it's a great driver pairing, um, and I think they work well together. They do, uh, and they 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 scored decent points. Well, yeah. Carlos Sainz scored, scored decent points in the last race, uh, and we're hoping that that continues uh, into the future. Um, before we get to the two big teams, Sponge, uh, do you want to speak about any of the other teams? Alpha Tauri, Alpha Romeo, uh, Haas. Yeah, I think Alpha Tauri really need a good result because I think they were one of the one of the teams that were kind of tipped to surprise everybody this season it just really hasn't happened for them yet and I think uh, I, I do think both of their drivers kind of need a bit of a confidence boost the team as a whole really needs a bit of a confidence boost so yeah it'd be interesting to see where they you know where they place this weekend I'm not sure I'm not sure it's going to see much of a turning fortune for them but I do think that's a it's worth a mention that they are they're kind of lagging behind where everybody expects them to be a little bit at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, Tsunoda came out and he was all guns blazing, and we we were all like, "Yes, this guy's going to be huge. It's massive, you know, it's an amazing the first race." 
uh, and then obviously it's all been downhill since then. Uh, ben, uh, have you managed to have a speak? Uh, kind of, have you managed to have a, a good interview with uh, Tsunoda? I know he's quite. No, not yet. I mean, he's, he, his English isn't great, and I always, mm. you know, got obviously a lot of sympathy for that. I think he is getting better. Um, I was asking the team. I mean, I like to find out about other things other than F1, what they're up to, and you know, like private life, not nasty private life, but hobbies. <laughs> um, you know, and I wanted to find out what he's up to, but you know what? He he just lives for racing and, and gaming is the other thing he he does a lot of. Um, mm. So I just it, I was struggling to pin the article on, on a piece. There wasn't really a an interesting fact that I, I wanted to use, other than the fact he was just a young um, Japanese guy, which is obviously great for for F one, great for Honda. Um, but no, is the long answer to your your short question is I haven't spoken <laughs> to him. Um, I think it is refreshing to, to, for him speaking his mind. I think that that's now reversed a little bit, and people are like, "Why is he so chippy?" But I think that also people need to understand that the language thing is very different for him. Mm. Um, you know, and, and the swearing and all that sort of stuff. Maybe he's been unlucky with just the way the broadcasters picked that out because they all swear. I mean. We all listen to Max's on board, don't we, after the race and have a good yeah. old chuckle. Um, and it's probably the same all the way down the field. It's what it is. But um, yeah, I hope he I hope he does well. Um, I think the only team that you haven't mentioned that, that is interest, um, and I think that's the old um Alpine team. Um yeah. I think um Alonso has hasn't 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 really had that uh desired effect of you know, results and points. Um, and, and Ocon as well. I think, you know, it's been a slightly disappointing season for, for them. I didn't expect him, um, Alonso, to hit the ground running. Um, mm. But we were talking about Daniel struggling and a few of the others struggling, and he certainly has struggled. Um, I think that I, 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 he was always talking about a long-term project and maybe he knows what's coming in the pipeline for next year. But um, I think this year is... It looks as if he's bitten off more than he can chew. Yeah, uh, he's getting beaten by his teammate, isn't he? Mm. Um, so, oh, well, what what can we say about that? It, it's not it's not going to be what what he wanted to do when he first came over here, but came back to uh, Formula One. Do you think it's his age, or do you think it's uh, is just that car? I mean, he was out of, you know, he was he, he's been out of F one for what two two years? Two years, yeah. Um, but also he wasn't in a competitive car and not in the right mind frame, I would argue, throughout his time at, at McLaren. So, you know, he may have got, you know, five years, perhaps a bit stale. Um, but when he did when he did sign uh, around this time last year, it was all the talk was about, um, you know, the project. And it was almost talking about, you know, right this year off, it's all about 2022. Maybe he knows something that we don't. Um, you know, maybe that's the case. But you yeah, think he'll still be round for that, though, Ben? I think so. Yeah, I think he's he's got a a deal that takes him over that far. Uh, and I think that Renault will I call him Renault Alpine will probably keep him on. You'd think so. You'd think so. He's a big name, isn't he? And he brings in probably some good sponsorship for them. Mm. Um, that's probably uh, something to uh, to keep him around for. Um, okay, let's talk about the two big teams that we, well, I mean, we, we spoke about Perez, um, but who do we think is going to gonna win the race? Is, is, is it between uh, Hamilton and Max Verstappen only? Um, we pretty much probably left it as, as those two, really, um, although we probably shouldn't be so close-minded. Um, but 
Out of, out of Max and Hamilton, uh, Ben, who do you think is going to take that top step this weekend? Well, I'm going to um, put my neck out here and I'm going to suggest that there is contact between the two um, and it could see both of them ruled out or maybe just one of them. I think that by the law of averages, they've gone wheel to wheel in, in, I think, did they go in Monaco? Not really, because Lewis... No, he was down in seventh, wasn't he? But there's yeah. two, two, two races where they haven't gone wheel to wheel. Um, the others have been close and I think that the track lends itself to a clean qualifying lap I think mm-hmm. those two will be starting at the front, but I just can't see them both squeezing past um, and through that castle section. I think that that's going to be the, the focus for me on lap one, and I think it's going to be tricky. Um, okay. Safety cars, you see a lot of them in Baku, and this could be the race where they do make contact, and all that niceties and all those mind games and pleasantries and verbal sparring, I think that that could all erupt. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. I mean, that brings the championship to life. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, I think that uh, this could be the one. Uh, if that happens, then all gloves, um, well, gloves are off in the championship between those two. But then all bets are off in terms of who's going to win. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Sponge, what? Who do you think is going to pip him to the pip to the post this weekend? Do you think we're going to have that contact? Ben, We've been talking about that contact. All season. Ben's just taken the words out of my mouth. But you said you said this my, last my, my, you said this last week at Monaco. My, my, my plan was that I was going to say that every single round of the championship, and then when it finally comes true, I'm being like, I've been telling you for weeks. But I, I genuinely do. I think the one good thing about this weekend, we've already said that that this this track is it's kind of a bit of a beast like no other, isn't it? You've got the the fast flowing sections. You've got the the short kind of um, low speed kind of drag strips kind of thing mm. and i think you've got two very different cars you've got the mercedes which is strong in a in a, uh, a straight line and kind of mid to high corners and then you've got the red ball that's like really really nimble around where you'd where you'd expect like the castle section and everything i think you've got two two drivers probably max a little bit more so desperate to prove that they're the best on the grid and i think i think now in terms of them coming together, I think the best the best way of going into it was Red Bull in the lead and Merck have ground to, to make up. Um you know, I I just think now with Max in Max in the, the championship lead, Lewis is gonna start feeling the pressure. He hasn't been in this position for years. Mm. You know, he's not been in this position for a long, long time. Yeah. And it's this is this is now, you know, Lewis is coming towards the end of his career. Max is pretty much. I know he's been in the the sport for a few years, but he's still only just getting started. Mm-hmm. And I think you're you're getting. This is the first time in a few generations, really, that we've had a true kind of generation battle. We never got the Schumacher Senna. No. You know, we haven't really had that real battle of the you know the young versus the old. And I think this is this is the season. And I do agree with Ben. I think this is the race now where it's all going to kind of kind of come. You know. This is it. I think. I think Max. Max might kind of draw something from Lewis. Okay. He might kind of. He might make something happen. I have him down as that kind of person that he might kind of put his car in a way that people can't really blame him, but he'll know full well that he caused the accident. Because <laughs> um, at the end of the day, Formula One is. It's as much up here as it is in the cockpit, and yeah. you know, physically driving the car. You know, it, it's more using your head. 
And, you know, that, that's what Senna used to be amazing at. He used to, Martin Brundle said, you know, he used to put you in a position where you, you decided whether you had an accident or not. Mm. And, I, I, you know, is Max going to be that kind there of person? There is a gap for Senna. There's always a gap. <laughs> yeah, but the th- that's the thing, though. Senna was good enough to usually go through that gap. <laughs> yeah. So go on, Coops. You, you, you give us your your rundown. Who do you think it's going to be? Is it going to is there going to be contact unlike Sponge and Ben have suggested, or are we going to have a clean race and it's going to be uh, Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, one two, one one way or another? <laughs> well, if there's going to be contact this early, it's going to be at this race. Okay. You know, we're we're into that first corner. There's always been something whether or not being a major accident, but there's usually somebody going wide or carbon fibre everywhere. There's usually something in the first couple of laps or Alonso driving back to the pitch with all the two tyres working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if it's going to happen, it's going to happen then. Uh, plus, we kind of want a really good race in this Baku because the next round is France after that. So we all know what happens in that. Stick a pound uh, in the jar. You know what to yeah, do, Coops. You yeah, said stick the F a word. couple of in the jar. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I think this, this weekend is, is, you know, kind of Sponge says, and then and Ben has said as well, you know, this is where it, well, if it's going to happen, all gloves are off. You know, this is where the hats are going to get flung at each other in the, the press room. This is where the snippings come in. It was starting to, to happen during press conferences at Monaco with, you know, I think Hamilton came out and said that Verstappen has everything to prove and, Verstappen's like, I've got nothing to prove. So they were starting to just kind of just tap it a wee bit. Because uh, they've been driving too close together. And it's good that they haven't took each other off, but this, it's too fine a margin. Mm. And this is the track where if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And you know what? It could happen with three or four of the cars go out and land on Norris once, or Daniel Ricciardo's up the top, you know, uh, let's hope so. Let's let's hope it mixes up the grid and then we have, we have a nice uh, nice finish. Um, let's let's do our predictions then before we so we can end this and then go on to our interview. We make a prediction every week, uh, whether we are right or wrong. We uh, we usually wrong, uh, but we want first, second, third, uh, first DNF, and then how many finishers altogether? Just quick fire, quick, quick fire round. I'll go. I'll 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 let Ben think on it. We'll go to Sponge first. Uh, Sponge. One, two, three, DNF, and how many finishers? Uh, one, two, three. I'm going to go for Verstappen, Perez, Hamilton. Okay. Uh, DNF, I'm going to go Mazepin, obviously. Um, okay. And number of finishers, relatively high, I reckon. I reckon 17. Okay. Coops? Well, after Sponge sits here and talks about the two of them taking each other off. I know, yeah. He he, he didn't back up his talk. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's shocking, Sponge. Shocking. So, I'm going to say... You've got to get serious uh, when you go back to the predictions, Coops. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Serious? No. I'm going to say it's Steins that's going to take the top spot. I'm going to say it's Steins, Norris and Bottas. I'm going to say the first DNF will be Hamilton or Verstappen because they're going to take each other out. I'm sticking to the cause. I'm going for it. Mm-hmm. And I think there'll be 15 finishers. Okay, Ben. I'm just glad that we're not oh. vodcasting because I tell you what, chat would have been all over that kind of ridiculousness. <laughs> oh, of yeah. that. Ben, what, what, what are your predictions, Ben? Okay, I'm going to go Bottas win. I'm going okay. to go uh, Perez two. And I'm going to go Leclerc three. Wow. Um, good. I'm going to go first DNF, 
either Lewis or Max. Let's go Lewis. Okay. Um, cars to finish, 15. Right, okay. And I'm going to say I'm going to say Lewis is going to come out strong because he had such a terrible week in Monaco. I think he'll win. I think... Uh, I'm going to go predictable, guys. I'm going to say Max Verstappen second. Uh, and then... Uh, do you know what? I'm going to throw in a, a McLaren there because... Maybe I'm biased, but I'm going to throw in Lando, who's been consistent. Um, so I think he'll be take the third step. DNFs. I'm going to say someone like. Do you know what? Giovinazzi's had a really good year so far. Um, so I can't. I, I, I don't want to pick him. Okay, I'm going to pick. I'll pick his teammate. Actually, I'm going to pick Raikkonen. Um, I'm going to say he's going to come off first, and then I'm going to say, I'm probably going to say about 14. We'll say 14 finishes. Okay. Well, we, need, it... we need we we need to do one last prediction as well. We need to start doing this prediction. Will Williams score a point? <laughs> no, yes. not in this one. <laughs> they'll, 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 they'll only do it if there's a lot of shenanigans, and I think back is probably one of the places that we can get some of Yeah. Maybe. I'm going to go with yes, and I'm going to base it on the fact that I'm going to do exactly the same as what I was going to do with the Lewis Max thing. I'm just <laughs> going to say yes every week until it and happens. One week it will it will come true. Okay, well, that's hopefully our, our preview, and we've touched on most things uh, for the Baku Grand Prix, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix that's coming this weekend uh, in Baku City. Um, we'll head over to our special guest now uh, and talk about his career to date. Um, so, Ben, yeah, you've obviously been doing this for you say ten years at the start of the start yeah. of this. Um, is it something you always wanted to do, uh, be a Formula One correspondent or sports correspondent, uh, or, or was it something you kind of fell into? Yeah, sports correspondent. Um, I wanted to be a footballer when I was a little kid, like loads of little kids. But I was um, when I, I, I was lucky. I realised when I was seven that I wasn't good enough, um, <laughs> which was hard. You know, like you know, you had mm. dreams of playing at Wembley. But um, my dad used to work for a newspaper, um, putting the pages together, more of a printer. And mm-hmm. um, he used to tell me about stories about journalists having suitcases packed and ready to go. And I thought about combining my love of football, live sport and journalism. And I remember writing off to a newspaper editor saying I wanted to become a, a journalist. They sent me back a bit of paper, a leaflet saying this is what you need to do, um, right. which said that I needed to go to university and I needed to do a postgrad. And I kind of followed that um, and that's it. And then... I left university and took a job working in an agency, uh, mainly covering football, but lots of, well, I've covered every sport apart from rugby, actually, um, okay. in terms of live live event. And I've worked for every national UK, pretty much every national UK newspaper, um, wow. covered football matches for a long time. Um, yeah, and then I was working at The Sun Fast forward, um, I was in the right place at the right time. I had already done a bit of F1. Um, I'd spoken to Lewis and interviewed him over various different things. Mm-hmm. And the editor, sports editor, said to me, do you fancy um, being our F1 man? And uh, I was like, yeah, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> that was it. I was doing shifts, um, evening shifts, like news editing shifts. And uh, yeah, I just said yes straight away. And then, yeah, I jumped on a plane to Australia. That was the longest I've ever... Well, obviously, it's the furthest anyone flies, but until that point, I'd only done a four-hour flight, so it was kind of right. a bit of a baptism. Talk about jumping into the deep end, yeah? Absolutely, <laughs> into the deep end. And, uh, yeah, I remember, like, 
this is I, I I talk to my friends about this and, and they always take the mickey out of me on WhatsApp. But I have this or had I should have said had this reoccurring dream of being stuck on the grid when the lights went green and I had to find somewhere to hide and I was hiding throughout the whole race because I didn't want to be spotted by the TV cameras. Mm. So I was um, obviously petrified about doing my first race, but uh, I'm all cool now. I'm all right with it. I don't know how many I've done. Probably about 150 races, something like that. I don't know. How many years Formula One? Sorry, ten. So it's 10 years Formula One itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All with the sun? Yes. Ah, okay. If you could pick a year that you enjoyed uh covering the sport yeah which year was the best to uh report on uh, and did you and got you actually 2012 was fantastic um it really was we had i want to say seven winners from seven races it might have been five and five can't mm. remember odd number but it was a, an unbelievable start um it was the first year that sky had um done their sponsorship deal or, or tv right deal yeah. Um, but it was on the BBC as well. And generally, everything was just really, really good. You know, it was a very even field. Um, you had British drivers there, Lewis and Jensen. Um, it was, who else was there? Um, I think it, it couldn't be Matt. I thought Max Chilton, but maybe that was the following year. Anyway, um, it was just really good. And because it was on the BBC, I think that they started pulling out all the effort to do interviews and their production was fantastic. And it was mm. like really, really good stuff. Certainly around the British Grand Prix, great watch. And then Sky were like, all oh, right, that's how you do it. And they were sort of doing really good um, shows, good interviews. They were sort of edging each other on. And I think that went through the media completely. So, you know, I was desperate to beat my colleague at the Daily Mirror at the time to a story and it brought the best out of everyone and okay. it really did bring F1 to life as far as I was concerned and of course things are a bit different now because it's not live on BBC and Sky obviously do all their stuff and a lot of it's shot within the paddock and I think that you know that it, it's the access away from the racetrack where you get the best content and I think that by losing that it sort of diluted F1 a little bit I think the Netflix thing's been good to, to, to bring it back to life. Um, mm. But I really do think that, that 2012 season was was fantastic. And, you know, you know, when you're on to a good season, when you go to like the hairdressers and like you sit down at the barber and then you hear other people talking about F1. I mean, we're all a little bit nerdy and we all love our sport. And, um, you know, you obviously know you're F1 fans, but like men in the street talking about it and you're like, oh, right, yeah, that's cool. Mm. And then you see like big billboards you know like f1 live on sky and you were like it was everywhere it really yeah. was great it was great so yeah 2012 okay and in 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 your time uh you obviously had some good interviews have you yep. uh, have you interviewed somebody who you would say was probably your your idol uh or, or somebody that you kind of looked up to uh and kind of got, been a bit starstruck when you had an interview with them um, I spoke to Pele. I think that's probably that's a big one. Um, mm. F1 wise, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm quite fortunate. I don't really get star starstruck or um, you know lo lost like that. Uh, mm. You know, at the end of the day, I always think that people are just you know they're just like you, you and me. You know, I don't need yeah. to be afraid of them. Um, yeah, there's interviews that have gone well, some that haven't gone so well um you know and, and sometimes they're on television and sometimes you make to look a bit of an idiot other times <laughs> you just roll with it 
Um, you know, it's it, uh, it's different. The media is different. You know, people jump to uh, perceptions uh, based on what they see, but they don't see the amount of time that I spend with these these dudes. Um, and mm. so, yeah, it's, it's different. I mean, look, I like talking to Lewis. You know, we've been speaking a lot for, for a number of years. We used to talk to him loads. Don't talk to him so much anymore. Generally, media um, access has been restricted, not just with him, but across the, you know, the whole paddock. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's still some some characters. I think that people always talk about the olden days and they talk about characters and bring them to life. And I think that's what old school written media used to be very good at because they had mm. so much time with the drivers and the drivers sort of felt comfortable in talking to them. And, you know, this is me looking back and thinking, I wish it could be like that. And I think 2012 was a bit more like that. And I think that since then, um, it's been a little bit harder to bring those characters to life. Right. You know, I think that there are characters like Lando and we all see what Lando's like on, on his social and, and all that sort of stuff. And that's great. Um, mm. But I just need to bring that to the wider audience as well. So, um, you know, he's kind of doing it himself. But, but there's so many drivers in that in that paddock who just don't, um, they just don't really have a profile outside of, of F1, you know. And there's so many there and you just think that you could tap into them. Um, but maybe they that, don't want to talk to me. But yeah. That, well, that's one thing that um, I think it... Uh, Bernie Eccleston actually said uh, he he wished uh, at, uh, when when he was obviously head of the sport he wished that uh, more drivers were like Lewis and did put themselves yeah. out there and that sort of thing and and I think slowly we are getting that way um, yeah. with the new with the new breed uh, of, of drivers coming through. Yeah, um, you're right. Yeah, you are right. But but I think Lewis is is unique. He's he's unlike most other sports stars in that um, you know I. He hates my question sometimes because he doesn't know where I'm going to come from. And it's like, you know, he, he said once, oh, why do you, where do you get these questions from? And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, I could ask him about a, a, a political matter or a social matter. And, you know, his, his answers are great, you know, not just with Black Lives Matter, but there's other things, environmental um, concerns. You know, you ask him about it and he's not afraid to to tell you about it, you know, like, it was an awkward situation in, in Bahrain, you know, he's in Bahrain and there's a journalist asking about the Royal family. Obviously he's very close McLaren links, you know, he, he, he knows yeah. the Royal family. Um, and yet now he's obviously taken it upon himself to do a bit of research and read about it may not feel comfortable. I'm not sure what his feeling is, but mm. you know, he gave a good answer and you think, you know, great, that's good on you. Most people, if they felt uncomfortable or didn't know anything, they were just like, Oh, sorry. I, I don't really want to answer this question or fudge it, but he didn't do that. He didn't shy away from it and credit to him for doing that. And um, yeah, it's great. Brilliant. Uh, well, you did touch on there, uh, putting your kind of foot in your yeah. mouth uh, a little bit. Let, let's talk about probably uh, one of your most famous uh, yeah. foot in mouth uh, opportunities or, or, or circumstances. Uh, I don't think it was that bad, actually. Um, but do, do you want to uh, outline what happened and who it was with? Yeah, it was with um, Mercedes boss Toto Wolff. And uh -huh. Mercedes had just had their worst result. Um, was I it was... Germany 2019, was it? Yeah. Uh, 19 was it 19 was it it was, it was 19 yeah yeah and they all dressed up in commemorative um outfits and uh it was quite funny because um netflix weren't allowed into their camp the previous year um and then they saw how good it had done and then they mm -hmm. sort of welcomed them in with open arms gave them a full 
access and then had the absolute shocker and i just said to toto like um you know how embarrassing was it you know live in front of those cameras <laughs> he thought about it for a second and he said um you want you want me to give you a, a headline for the sun and i was like and i don't worry about it we do the headlines just to start it was like that it was just like a I wasn't being sarky or anything. I was just like, no, don't worry about that. We do the headlines. And then you would give me an answer, you know, after you give me that coin. I was like, well, it's up to you. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't being mischievous. Um, you know, people don't understand the relationship. You know, we, we talked to, to every single race. Um, mm. And then funny enough, I, I, I totally forgot that that was coming out until we were at Mercedes Ineos launch at the start of 2020. Mm. And he said to me, have you seen the net? thing i said no we don't get the advanced screening we just have to wait like everyone else to keep. he goes oh it's very funny you'll you'll, you'll see it and i was like <laughs> oh right so he kind of gave me a heads up about it but um and then i joked with the team about getting a, um, a t-shirt for australia um i love toto or something like that it's just <laughs> as, a, as a sort of funny but then um the coronavirus stopped all the fun and everything but um yeah. well we obviously have spoken a lot about it in the past, I've spoken to Susie. She she thinks it's hilarious. He's he's mm. one, and um, yeah, we've moved yeah, on. I, even the Mercedes uh, team themselves came out on Twitter and said, "Look, it, it's it's up to yeah. um, journalists like Ben Hunt to keep us honest and, yeah. and 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 ask those questions that need to be asked." So that I think they're all they were happy with it in the end. Really, it was just. Uh, I, think, bad, I think I think maybe so. Was... I mean, I I I I have to be a a, a bit of a needle in their backside because if i wasn't that then i wouldn't be doing my job and i think you know there are quite a lot of journalists in f1 who who focus on the, the technical side of things that's great that's what they deal with but um i'm trying to bring it to a sort of a different audience um mm. you know maybe people aren't so keen but still to build profiles and report and so that's what i that's what i do and so my questions aren't you know even the other day what was it i asked um I asked Sebastian Vettel about his, um, you know, he did this sabbatical and he was doing um, environmental farming and stuff. Have you seen this? I don't know if you've seen this, but he, I during the COVID know. period, he, he he was studying organic farming, right? Okay, it's a little bit weird, but again, it's like a little bit of colour. And um, I asked him that and I was a bit cheeky and said, you know, about a tractor race with Lewis. Um, <laughs> you know, you've got Lewis involved in the organic farming. But he was like, do you want to ask a serious question? But but for me, that was kind of a serious question because it's a it's something different. You know, if you guys haven't heard about it, it's it's just something new. And like I was saying to, about building personalities, and mm. I found it interesting. And he didn't want to talk about it, partly because it was private life. Maybe he thought I was taking the mickey. I wasn't. I was actually curious as just to what it was. Um, but yeah, he snapped back at that. And I was just a bit like, mm, I'm just trying to help you out a little bit and build you a little bit of a profile piece but uh he didn't want to know but uh you get the abuse on the internet the thing is now because everything's recorded and yeah. um you know people just troll you and stuff and you know you just have to get a bit of a thick skin i suppose when you are a writer you you have that anyway because everything that you write is there and people will disagree um or agree with you but mm. that that's my job you know to spark opinion and to report it as how, how I see it we don't all agree on the same thing you know you all like different teams and you all like different drivers that's the whole point of podcasts podcasts yeah. are just like newspapers in the sense we're giving our opinions but someone shouldn't be shot down just because you don't agree with it and 
you know, you shouldn't abuse people on the internet because of it as well. And like, you know, sometimes it's hard to take, but you have thick skin, you get over it. It's like the Mazepin thing. Maybe he, he is getting over it. But for me, it was quite tough at the time, you know, like just relentless. I was on holiday as well and the phone was just going. I'm like, oh, oh mate, wow. Turn it in. But um, yeah. That must be hard. So, yeah, it must yeah. Especially being such a public figure, like, and obviously the Sun's a massive newspaper that a lot of people do read. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, do you do you do you kind of pay attention to the to the social media now, or do you just kind of like no, put, no, po- post your articles and then kind of leave it? Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I like to think that people don't think that I'm um, I'm an asshole. I, I, I want people to think that you know I'm not really an asshole, and that's why you know people who who, who send me certain messages you know i try and reason with them or, or reply to them i'm not you know i'm not blocking them or anything like that unless it gets silly then maybe i block them but like it's rare that i do that i mm. try and sort of you know explain my my side of it and i think that's the whole whole point you know twitter's great um you know for grown-ups but uh there's there's sometimes children play around with it as well and you just think <laughs> no not getting involved in that so Okay, uh, Coops or, or Sponge, uh, who should we go for to first? You got a question for uh, for Ben? Uh, we'll go to uh, Coops first. <laughs> so what I wanted to talk about with the question was you did a thing during the pandemic, which is called the staying in every yeah. Friday. Uh, and I did it on a couple of occasions on Friday night. I was like, I'm bored. Should I go on? And I never, I could never put myself out yeah. to do it. But it seemed to get a lot of traction. What was the reasons for it? Or- yeah, I. I, I- I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm like, I'm super proud I did it. Um, and the the theory was that I wanted to create a, a virtual pub environment, which was a round table just to have discussions. And it wasn't necessarily an F1 thing, but it did become an F1 thing. And people joining, there was music in the background. We created a playlist. Uh, there was different themes um, ranging from, you know, Britpop to particular years if it was someone's birthday then we would do music from that particular year that was playing in the background but it was just a free discussion and it was a way of people staying uh, in touch with each other building friendships um mm. talking about f1 but it was a sense of a community spirit and you know what like i had like so much um positive reaction from the people who were joining we had we had over 100 people over different people over the year from different countries from you know australia all the way to brazil we've created a whatsapp group we're still in touch and it was just about helping each other through it mm. i think you know in the uk we always think that we're having it worse than anyone else in terms of the pandemic and you just you know bang your head whether you agree with the government's policy or not and you're just really frustrated but then you can log on and then you can talk to someone in brazil who's going through the same thing and then you realize you know, we're all in this together. We've all got mm. to work together. And it was quite nice. It really did repl- replicate just a round table. And we had some random conversations. There were some <laughs> good guests and good people joined in. Um, sometimes everyone had a drink. It was just a good laugh. They would go on and, you know, until like, I'd try and kick them off about eight, nine o'clock in the evening. And then, you know, I would log off around two, three. Wow. And then I would wake up in the morning and I'd get a message saying, well, that was a, late one and it was i think the record was quarter to eight in the morning where Whoa. people were just chatting but it was great because that you know it's a group of friends and 
you know, we're now talking about meeting up, you know, in the real world. Some of us already have meeting up at racetracks. Um, I go to the US, you know, like, you know, go see a couple of guys out there and they like really excited to go to Austin. And, you know, it's, it's great. It was really good fun. But I think it helped a lot with mental health. I think we all struggled, um, you know, myself included. People say, you know, thanks without it. I don't know what I would have done. And that's like, wow. When you get that message, you think, Crikey, you know, it was only an idea just to keep people talking. Um, and you should have joined because you would have enjoyed it. But, I, I know, um, I, did, I, did, I did agree. There was a few Friday nights, you know, I, I, I didn't have the wee man and I was just sitting and I'd see a tweet because, you know, I've got you know, a lot of the journalists have put on, like, the, the, the alerts for the, yeah. for the stuff. And it would come up, right, tonight's staying in, playlist will be this and that. And then I thought, I'll, I, and I spent ages every Friday or most Fridays thinking, did I come on? Yeah. Nah, I don't know what to say, or I might say something stupid. <laughs> and then, you know, I've got there with an F1 name and my Twitter handle, and I didn't want to no. cause any issue with that. And I was like, oh. And you know what? I thought after a couple of hours of an hour or two, I probably would have, you know, got into the swing of it and put a social person anyway. But no, I, I noticed very quickly from, I think it took off almost instantly. It was like the right idea at the right time. It wasn't yeah. like, it grew slowly. It was like staying in, and then everyone said, "Oh, I like this," and it we, just blew up. We 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 had quiz prizes and everything. It was like oh, wow. it, it became a really big thing. Like people were like, "I've got I've got I've got some T-shirts to give away," or um, Singapore Grand Prix. We've got goodie bags to give away, and I'm like, "Wow, you know, like I didn't expect <laughs> this." Um, we had an icebreaker, so I could ask you all the icebreaker question. That was um, you had to say what your worst job was. Oh, what was your worst ever job? Yeah, I, I worked for Zenith Windows for a night selling door to door double glazing. Oh, yeah. uh, and I went there for one day and I thought <laughs> I got a sale on my first night, which pissed off everybody else in the car. And then I get, I don't even know how much money I got, never ever went back. And about <laughs> six months later, the place where the office was turned out as almost so yeah, that was my worst ever. It was just because you went in, you chapped the door, the person invited me in, but then I had to go away and get someone else in who then done the sale. Oh, and gosh. and oh, I was just a complete, I was just like, what am I doing? And Thank I just you. Never that was mine. <laughs> Sponge, Sponge, do you want to answer that question? What was your worst ever job? It was my paper round, by far. <laughs> I used to have to ride past, oh, you know, Ludgill Cemetery, Teller. Yeah. And yeah, I used to have to ride past there on my uh, on my bike all the time, and that was when the the, the wind chimes on the grave was just Ooh. kicking off. <laughs> and I'd never experienced it before. I uh, honestly, I, I I I rode past it, and I was like, "There's something chasing me. There's definitely <laughs> something in there that wants to drag me in there with it." And yeah, that was that was one of the most horrific things ever. But yeah, definitely paperboy. <laughs> Well, I, I was paperboy, but I only had seven papers, so my my round was pretty easy. <laughs> well, what was that for your family? Okay. It, it, it was. I got six pound a week, so I, it was probably my oh. worst my worst thing. But I got six pound a week uh, to do seven papers a night. Uh, so yeah, it was all right. It wasn't too bad. Um, my worst job doing a mazapin and stealing and living. <laughs> <laughs> my worst job was probably in the uh, the famous. Um, 
Golden Arches. Uh, but yeah. Oh. Although, although I still had fun with the people. To be honest with you, I've always had fun with the people at the work. Uh, just when you say the people, do you mean the customers or the staff? Yeah, the the staff. The staff. We've always, <laughs> always had a laugh with the staff, with the with the people that you're working with. But yeah, it, it was uh, especially on like Saturday peak kind of horrible, <laughs> grueling kind of putting chips down all the constantly and calling for burgers and yeah not not good not good work not good job free, free lunch as well though yeah but that's why i got fat <laughs> <laughs> how, how about you what what was your answer to that question when you were, were asked then? well listen there was people tra- like top trumping me all the way through this um i used to work for dixon's um and and that was probably the worst bit because i was dealing with customers and i remember shoplifters um and people spitting at me so that was my worst one that was pretty pretty rank so that obviously prepared me for the trolls but um i think the most interesting one was um we had a guy come on and he um used to build the um furnace for crematoriums and uh, he was talking about how you know at the end of the line when people were being um because they burnt by flame but by by heat um and then of course dealing with the remains and scraping out the gold teeth and the Oh, the, you know, the, the metal, metal oh. stuff. So yeah, he won that one. Um, yeah, absolutely. Followed, followed by someone who worked in housekeeping, which obviously is pretty rank as well when you think about it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, Sp- Sponge, have you got a question for for Ben? Yeah. Um. Obviously, you've been to a lot of races now. Um. If for all, for all our listeners that might not have gone to a, an overseas race can you recommend one that you that you like and can you give a reason why you'd recommend it um my favorite overseas race um is i'll pick two um and i'll explain why um the first one would be austin if you had limitless money um i think that's the one to go to and go quick because it's, it's upsetting to see that every year there's a a grandstand um that's been removed um oh. for, for, for whatever reason it's just not um exciting the, the the public in that particular area which is a big shame um and i think that's a big decision now for, for kota to make um i think it is a great track um the best thing about it though is the city live music barbecue food you can't beat that as far as i'm concerned so <laughs> um not about the racing on that it's about the actual social aspect um i think if you don't have that budget and this is going to confuse a lot of people but monaco is the one to go and do um wow reason why i say you you can do it on a budget i think that um you just have to tolerate the train stay in nice um and and train it down but once you do it i think you'd be surprised to think that there's a lot of people there who rather than going away for a two-week holiday um go to monaco for, for five weeks after uh, five weeks five days <laughs> um five days and, and, and pay and pay the same so that's mm. the one that i would suggest to do and if you're on a real real budget um we don't do it anymore but testing at barcelona used to be the best thing ever um, oh, really i can't believe people never used to go but it was like 10 15 euros for a grandstand seat and you could sit there all day and you'd see like hundreds and hundreds of laps and it might not be competitive but at the end of the day you know they're brand new f1 cars going around so they're my they're my three tips okay that's that sounds good um so obviously we spoke about toto uh and 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 the the awkward the awkward conversation have you had any others that maybe obviously that obviously the toto wolf one has outshone that and people that's probably what's uh, gotten you the most attention have you ever put your foot in it 
uh, with anyone else? No, I think um, there was a moment when um, it was Sebastian Lewis Baku, funny enough and, and, and quite poignant. The race after, I can't remember what it was, but um, it was a press conference and um, Sebastian wanted to move on, but I kept dragging him back. And in mm. the end, um, you know, he kind of just refused to answer the question. And the uh, FIA guy at the time had to step in and say, look, you've got to stop asking questions. And I remember that being a particularly awkward one. Um, the worst one, um, football-wise, I'm not going to say the player's name, but he um, <laughs> he told me to F off. Um, oh, no. Yeah. And then he called me an FNC as well. So, oh. uh, And the worst thing was, I didn't even do anything. I was just there recording. He was actually doing um, an interview to the club um, TV camera. And mm. I was sitting there recording it, waiting for him to come over to me. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm just recording. He goes, you know, F off and this stuff. He said I could do it. And then he called me an FNC. So, yeah, oh. that wasn't a great one. But, um, yeah, I'm not going to say who he was, but he was an England player. So, uh Oh, here we go. <laughs> are, are you going to be covering any of the Euros or is it just going to be uh, Formula no, One for you this year? No, it'll be Formula One for me this year. Um, I'm desperate to, to get out to one. I think that the UK quarantine thing's tricky. We're mm -hmm. moving house at the moment, so that's also tricky. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, as soon as everything settles down and we know where we stand at the moment, it's awkward. With, I mean, arriving in France now requires seven-day um, quarantine. We obviously need special permission to um overturn that which hopefully f1 will sort us out if not yeah. then everyone obviously has to get there a week earlier um mm -hmm. and i think austria could be the same i'm not sure but they've stopped all direct flights so um i've had a few people on twitter saying that they got tickets which obviously rolled over from last year um mm -hmm. saying you know what what do we do and they've got until tomorrow second uh, to decide whether they're gonna go or roll over or get a refund so they haven't got much time to think about it um my advice would probably get a refund and think about putting that towards another race because um, I don't think that's fair, you know, forcing people to make such a quick decision, um, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed I'll get to a few. I, I, I did sort of, last year was tricky. I probably did three quarters um, and that was, you know, tests every every two days effectively. But it's the quarantine thing now, which is really hard. Oh, I can imagine, definitely. Um, so, how, how different does a weekend look to you nowadays uh, in comparison to what it used to used to look like? Obviously, I'm guessing previously you'd just fly out there and uh, stay there for the whole weekend, have a bit of a laugh, and yeah. come come back. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, European races you could you could leave on a I'd, I'd leave on a Wednesday, um, mm. get to the track on the Thursday. Obviously, that's my busy day Thursday with the press conferences all the way through. Friday was a bit of a slog. I think that the, the, the shortened sessions, I don't know how you found it on TV, but like, I think it's better only having an hour. Mm. I, I quite like that. And I think that the sprint qualifying race, people haven't enjoyed the idea or like the idea or whatever. People are split. I think that could be exciting. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm up for shorter sessions. Um, but yeah, Saturday, Sunday, and then fly back probably Monday lunchtime is what I would usually do. So I can't remember. My my wife added it up. In the first year, I think I was away for, I want to say something like 180 days of the year. And that was doing all the races. And uh, yeah, it was a big commitment and testing and everything else. So wow, yeah, it was big. It's a long time to stay away from uh, your family. And uh, uh, you've got a daughter, haven't you? You've, I've, got, you've... I've got a son and a daughter. Oh, son and a daughter. My, my, my son was only um, six months old when I went off to Australia. 
mm-hmm. and so that was quite quite hard and of course that's the hard thing like you know the job it is great but you go you know, effectively i'm a single man when i go there you know you're as long as you wake up go and do your job you, you eat and then you can go to bed and and that's all i've got to think about whereas i'll fly home at whatever time and my wife has been looking after the kids will be like can you help me out it's, it's your turn to get up and do the feed in the middle of the night or whatever or school run and yeah you have to sort of click back in there's no sort of acclimatization process you're like straight from you know monaco paddock to you know doing a school run which is great don't get me wrong i wouldn't change it it's just like you learn to to deal with the different lifestyles it's 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 great but then uh then f1 decide to add more races and make it even harder for you <laughs> yeah do you know what do you know what this year is going to be really hard i'm sorry if i'm taking it up and this is going to be like your record long no, no it's uh, not don't worry <laughs> carry on <laughs> but, but, but of course we, we, you know i remember doing a piece last year of a, um a couple of um f1 personnel in teams mm-hmm. and they were like look we're really worried about this year like it's close to breaking point these we condensed the whole season into half a year. And I was like, yeah, that is pretty bad. And a lot of stress. And of course, this year, we've now got, I want to say, what is it, four triple headers, I think, now in the calendar? We have, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 hard. Like, you're away for, for that amount of time. Now you've got to factor in isolation, quarantine at the end of that period as well. So the guys that I'm talking to now are sort of coming home getting a little bit cheesed off already and like we're only like what five races five or six races in five five yeah and they're like look we're not getting any life you know is that work-life balance mm. it's not a problem for me because as i said i didn't do the the last couple and not going to do baku but um you know they're finding that they're, they're landing on the monday uh they have to stay indoors they can do a test and release which i think they do on saturday friday night or saturday then they wait for the result they can get out saturday night and then before they know it, on Monday, they're doing a test and flying out again. So, you know, your actual time to go and see family, other family, other than your immediate family is, is reduced to Sunday, basically. And I think that's going to be hard for, you know, teams, you know, mm-hmm. it is going to be hard. And then also, you know, that added complication later in the year, there's that, I think the, the, the schedule, remind me if anyone knows, but I think it goes, um, uh, it just go Brazil, Australia, um and then saudi and then abu dhabi or something like that but of course if you think geographically you have to go from one side of the country to the world to the other side of the world then back yeah. into the middle it's actually you know that is a massive slog um for hauling a, a team of 84 people or whatever it is um so you know that that obviously inflates inflates costs and that i think is the reason why um or one of the reasons why i think canada come off because canada was supposed to be after azerbaijan um mm-hmm. yeah that's right and there was no way of um reducing that quarantine period from azerbaijan to canada so there was like you know we're not going to be able to come any earlier we're not going to be able to push it later which is why i think that that race got the plug got pulled on that race um, yeah but yeah, yeah. Have you got an inside track on any any others that might be like really at risk at the moment as well, Ben? From your point of view, um, have you been kind of briefed on? Yeah, th- you know, th- expect I mean, this one to fall off. I think China's a sticky one, isn't it? I mean, you know, we, that's still a an odd odd situation. I think that uh, we'll have to wait and see about that. The Australian one, um, 
because China has, I don't think, hasn't got a date, has it? So I think that's no, it's not officially been cancelled yet, but it's not no. on the calendar. Um, and I think it's difficult to, to see how Australia are going to change their rules to allow F1 in. Um, mm. Obviously, you saw what they did with the tennis, and that was putting people in hotels. I don't think that the F1 schedule will allow for that. It's a long no. way to go for a week as it is. But if you start adding in extra days, as I mentioned, for, for quarantine and hotel quarantine, which they've been really strict over, I think that, you know, it's quite tough to see how that's going to get approved. Um, and then Brazil. And, 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 and I was going to say Brazil. Um, the situation there is is obviously dire as well. So it's whether F1 risks it, whether they think the gamble's worth it, um, and whether they can get permission to, to get there and get back. But of course, the deciding factor will probably be the government as well in terms of uh, whether F1 get a special dispensation, which they did last year, but they're not mm. this year. So you go to a red country and all of a sudden you have to do that hotel quarantine, which I think um, our rugby boys have just been looking at it. I think it's £1,700 per person for the 10-day... Um, of course, if you're doing it for 84 people, 85 people in a team, you know, that's that's a chunk. So, oh, um, you know, that's a tricky one to to, to, to call. But um, we'll have to see. I think that the fact is that F1 is, they use that word fluid, which I really, really hate. But um, <laughs> the situation is obviously moving all the time. Mm. It's just where they can plug the, plug the gaps because they've decided that they want 23 races and they want to make sure that that happens. But... We'll see. Uh, I, we I mean, will see. I joked about it, you know, tw 23 races at, or whatever's left, five races at Silverstone and five at, you know, in France. You can put a pound in the jar too. Um, <laughs> right, okay, well, we'll ask you that final question that we ask every single person. Um, you've got five English pounds mm -hmm. to pick the winner of, this, uh, of the season this year. Is yeah. it going to be Matt, the young Max or is... Uh, Lewis Hamilton just too dominant to be. Well, I have put five English pounds on Max already, so I'm going to say Max. Okay. Ah. There, you there you go. Pretty yeah. definitive there. You've heard it here first. Ben Hunt says Max Verstappen will win the championship this year. Well, thank you very much for coming along. We obviously chatted to you for a, a little while there. Hopefully, uh, you've, you've got a, a bit of your your career. Um, <laughs> You've given our listeners an insight into your career so far and what you get to get up to at a weekend. Um, it's been really interesting for me, actually, to uh, to hear because uh, it's something that we'd like to get build our way up to with our, our own Everything F1. So, uh, yeah, you, you might see us uh, in in the pit lane at some point in the future. Hey, let's, hope, let's hope so. Um, I, think, but, I, think, I, think, I think, yeah, why not? Why not have that goal? Absolutely. So thank you very much for coming to chat to us. Uh, thank you again to my my chaps, uh, Sponge and Coops. Uh, all that's left for me to say is thank you very much to our listeners uh, for listening to the podcast this week. As always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We've got a Discord server and we're at Join EF1 on all of those uh, social medias. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.